Welcome. My name is Jesse and you are listening to The Wake Up Call. This show is about opening your eyes to how you've been living, bringing awareness to the standard you've been operating at, and helping you start living to your full potential. There are two ways I'll help you do this. One, by disciplining your mind, and two, by strengthening your body. It's time to take stock of your current performance and go to the next level. Let's do this. G'day guys, welcome back to a fresh episode of The Wake Up Call. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about hypermobility. So having great range of motion is a good thing. You need to have a certain amount of joint mobility so that your body can move in the desired directions. Okay, so as I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, each joint within your body has a different function or purpose. So for example, your elbow, it has different functions compared to your shoulder joint or your hip joint. And the same thing is true for your knees. Your knees don't do the same functions or go in the same directions as perhaps a ankle. All right, so it's very important to make sure that, that your body and your joints can move adequately in the desired directions, okay? So having joint mobility is great, it's essential, it's necessary, but having too much mobility can cause problems, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. So first and foremost, I want to define what hypermobility is. As the prefix of the word states, hypermobility means that there is an excess, that there is an abundance, there is in fact too much. Okay, so like most things in life, you can have too little and you can have too much. And where you kind of want to be is somewhere in the middle. Not too little, not too much. It's this Goldilocks zone where we're trying to get the balance just right. That's what we're seeking when we look at joint mobility. If you have too little, you're not going to move well. You're going to be stiff, sore, tight. You're going to have movement restrictions and probably dysfunctions, which means that your body is going to develop maladaptive positions or movement patterns. What the fuck does that mean, Jesse? It means that your body is going to move incorrectly because it can't move correctly. It's going to find a workaround because it can't do things as it should or as the joints should be able to, okay? That's what we're chasing and that's what we're talking about. Not too little mobility, but not too much. We want that nice middle ground, okay? So when it comes to moving well and having a body that feels good, joint mobility is one of the highest points and one of the highest priorities that you must address. Okay, I didn't say it's the, as in singular, but it's one of the big rocks. It's one of the big key pillars that we're trying to address. Having good joint mobility. So this, when I say good joint mobility, this is what I mean, and this is what I'm referring to. The correct motion in the desired directions of each joint. So your shoulder and your hip are both a ball in socket joint. They have the capacity to move in seven different directions and perform seven different functions. But if you only have access to three or four of those, that's a red flag, that is a problem. Your body is then going to have to find a solution. It's going to have to take a detour and steal movement from somewhere that it shouldn't. Okay, this is where injuries occur because the joint that should be able to do 
the action can't because of lack of range of motion. So this is where, as humans, we are designed to move. We're not designed to be sedentary creatures sitting down in front of a fucking computer for eight hours a day. Now, I'm sorry if that's your job. I'm sorry if your work and your career dictates that you sit at a computer screen for six, eight, ten hours a day. But what about the other, you know, eight, 10, 12, 16 hours of your day? What are you doing then? Because that is something that you can directly control and it's something that you should control. So don't fucking tell me that, Jesse, I sit down at a desk all day. I can't do it. I can't move well. I'm fucking stuck in a chair. Okay, get up, move around when you can. Okay, sprinkle in little movement breaks or movement snacks. Okay, this is where you just periodically get up. Maybe you just do a lap around the fucking office. Maybe you leave the room and you go up and down a flight of stairs if you work, you know, in a two-story building. Maybe you just get out and stretch your legs. Maybe you go and pretend to have another cup of coffee just so you can go and get 50 steps in and get out of that shitty position you've been stuck in. What I'm getting at here is this. If you don't have enough range of motion, your body will compensate somewhere by stealing movement, which creates instability elsewhere. I'll use the shoulder as the example. If you don't have the required shoulder range of motion, your body's going to fucking steal it from somewhere else. Okay, it might be your upper back. It might be your neck. It creates instability. Instability means a lack or a loss of control. You do not want a loss of control. You want full control. All right? I'm going to give you three very quick examples here. Let's take three of the most common joints and sites of injury that are caused by a lack of mobility and what those areas are. Shoulders. So if you've got stiff, sore, tight, restricted, grumpy shoulders, uh, let's look at your upper back. What's your T-spine mobility? So T-spine is your thoracic spine. That's your upper back. Do you have the capacity to extend, arch the back, flex it, but also rotate? Do you have the ability to twist left and right? Most people, if they're sitting down at a fucking computer all day, the only looking left and right they do is to the side of the fucking screen. That's it. So it's, you know, it's a handful of degrees of rotation when we should be able to twist and look over the fucking shoulder and see the wall behind you. So do you have that capacity or do you not? And also just general posture and head positioning. Most people have this fucking chicken neck thing going on. Fucking typing away, got the phone, tilt the head, head carriage goes forward, plus gravity going down. So we've got all this pressure on the cervical spine, the neck, and then the upper back starts to round and the shoulders internally rotate and we're stuck here for the next three, four, five, six, however many hours until we break out of that posture. And that's where those movement snacks can come in. Get up, move away from your workstation. When it comes to lower back issues, again, we want to look upstream above and downstream below. So if you've got lower back issues or problems or chronic pain, How's your upper back mobility? Again, I'm I'm beating this drum on upper back mobility because it's that fucking important. And I've had back pain. I've had both acute, short-term, and I've had chronic, long-term back pain. And I can tell you right fucking now, it sucks balls. Having lower back pain is shit. 
If you've never had it, fucking lucky you. <laughs> if you have had it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That pinching, grabbing, you know, pull, nagging sensation. So if you have a sore lower back, sometimes it's not due to the lower back being weak. Sometimes it's due to it being really strong and doing tasks that it shouldn't be. So if you've got lower back problems, do you have good upper back mobility? As I just mentioned, yes, no. And then downstream, hips. Hip joint. As I said, the hip joint has the capability to move in seven different directions, perform seven different functions. So can you hinge properly? Most people, men in particular, cannot hinge properly. They don't know how to bend from their hips. So instead of bending from their hips, they bend from their spine. They round their back because they don't know how to flex at the hip joint. And they also cannot, I, I, I go in this category, uh, I cannot rotate. I can, but I have, my hip rotation is dreadful. I, I have a very limited amount of both internal and external rotation. So sitting cross-legged on the floor is something I dislike, uh, and I dislike it because I'm shit at it. Uh, but also, if I was to sit down in a chair and put one foot across the knee, that's uncomfortable for me. I feel a very big, you know, pull or tightness, air quotes, tightness through that glute slash hip region. So that's a big area for development and work for myself. So I'm not saying that it's, you know, I'm great and you've got a lot of work to do. I, I fall into some of these categories as well. And then we look at the knees. Hips and ankles, again, upstream, downstream. We've got the knee joint, we've got the hips above it, we've got the ankles below it. Do you have the ability to bend your ankle and also the big toe? And you might be thinking, what the fuck's the big, big toe got to do with anything? If you think of any athletic kind of movement or endeavor, jumping, changing direction, sprinting, it involves what is known as triple flexion and triple extension. That is where you get a, a bend or a straightening at three joints at once, the ankles, the knees, and the hips. So if you can't bend at the big toe, you're not going to be able to push off the ankle joint. If you can't bend and then push off the ankle joint, your body is going to try and steal movement from somewhere else, which is generally the knees. Make sense? Cool. So that's the downside of having too little range of motion and not enough mobility. But on the flip side of the coin, the same problem persists in a different capacity. There is a very small percentage of people who fall into the category of having too much mobility. So the prefix for too much or in excess is hyper. So, you know, if you've ever seen a hyperactive child, they're just fucking full of beans. They're just, it's like the Energizer Bunny. They just fucking go, 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 go. And they cannot be stopped and they won't stop because they have an abundance and excess of energy. They just fucking go on hell for leather. And you're thinking, Jesus Christ, what is this kid on? Someone's giving him red cordial. Someone's giving him a fucking bag of lollies. And he just fucking goes and goes and goes and goes and goes like a fucking wind-up toy. That is the equivalent of somebody who has hypermobility. They have so much range of motion, they don't know what to do with it. And what I mean by they don't know what to do with it is they cannot control it. Much like the child who has basically had the red coil or the lollies, they have so much energy, they don't know what to do with it. It just comes out in droves. It's, it's just like a fucking, it's an explosion and it can't be controlled or contained. So hyper, like I said, it means too much or in excess. You know, 
You want to have a beer? You want to have wine? You want to have a couple of spirits? Awesome. You want to get on the grog? Sweet. You know, you have a few bevies. That's okay. You're still mentally aware of what you're doing. You've got that mental acuity. You're still sharp. You're still alert. You're still switched on. Still got your problem solving, you know, capabilities. But if you keep drinking, have another beer, have another shot, have another wine, start mixing drinks. What happens? You start getting a little fucking woozy. Maybe get a little spacey. Some people become happy drunk. Some people become, you know, angry drunks. But the same thing happens is they are drinking in excess. When you drink in excess, bad things happen. Okay. So let's have a little recap. Having too little joint mobility is an issue as you cannot get into the requisite positions you need to. Or if you do force your body to get into certain positions or shapes, it comes at a cost and that is your body compensating. You develop bad movement patterns and you can't do things correctly because your joints just don't have the lubrication or the motion to get you there. All right, so you basically you cut a corner or you cheat to get there, all right? So I'll use a squat as an example. If you've ever seen Olympic weightlifters squatting, you know, at, whether it's, you know, maybe it's at the Olympics or if it's clean and jerk or snatching, you see people doing an ass to grass squat. If you look at these high level, world-class elite lifters, their squatting is fucking incredible. They could assume their squat stance, shoulder width, itch okay and they squat perfectly fucking straight down knees tracking the toes asshole almost touching the ground and then they come back up the same way they went down if you try to replicate it you know you squat down as deep as you can maybe you don't even break parallel maybe your hips are above the knee joint or maybe you just take a few breaths out and you sink a little bit and you wiggle your feet and you turn your toes out Okay, and you get a little bit deeper. You get too parallel or slightly below it, but your back starts rounding. You get what is known as butt wink. This is where your tailbone starts tucking underneath you because your pelvis can no longer hold a neutral position. If your pelvis can no longer hold a neutral position, that will bleed into and go directly into your spine. Make sense? So that's, what, that's a problem for having too little mobility. But if you have too much mobility, if you are super bendy and super flexible, you can put your hands over your head with your biceps by your ears. You can do a forward bend and put your hands flat on the floor. You can hyperextend your knees, your ankles, your elbows, your fingers, whatever it is. That's a problem because you do not have muscles providing active stabilization to your joints. So your body starts relying on connective tissues like ligaments or the joints themselves to control the body in space, okay? So there's no tension. There's nothing actually kind of holding you together. Everything's just moving, but there's no control. Does that make sense? So especially if you start doing resistance training, if you strength train, whether you're doing a deadlift, a squat, a push, a pull, a chin-up, push-up, doesn't matter. If you are unable to hold your body in a strong, rigid, stiff position through the spine, that's a problem. Doesn't matter if it's an upper body exercise or a lower body exercise. The goal is to 
Everybody talks about core stability, core strength. That's huge, yes, but we also need to stabilize the muscles to work on, okay, can I control if I'm doing a press? I want to make sure that I don't hyperextend the elbow and just jam my joints up, okay? I want the muscles to do what the muscles are designed to do, which is to contract and keep the tension on the muscle. The muscle is designed to contract. Joints don't contract. So again, that means the primary job or task is being shifted from muscle to joint. The joint's not going to provide stability. The joint is there to act as a fulcrum to bend, straighten, you know, internally, externally rotate via muscles. So the muscles are not doing their job. And if they're not doing their job, we have to ask why. Oftentimes it is due to just generally a lack of strength. So we need both. This is known as the Goldilocks zone. Not too little and not too much. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. I'm not super mobile and flexible and bendy like a piece of, you know, al dente spaghetti, but I'm not super rigid either where you've got a piece of dry pasta and you bend it a little bit and then it fucking cracks in half. We want to be in that middle ground. Now, this is the part where most people tend to kind of lean towards. If you had to choose between having too much mobility or not enough mobility, which one would you pick? Most people would say, I'd rather have too much. I'd, I'd rather have too much than not enough. Uh, incorrect. You would actually benefit and get more out of having less mobility than more. Because at least the mobility you do have, you can control and stabilize without a fucking without your body flailing and moving around like a leaf in the breeze, okay? So you're better off being able to control every single inch of movement and have it be a smaller movement than have this really big motion and have it be uncontrolled. Does that make sense? So not that you do have to choose, but if you did, you would be better off having less range of motion than more. Because like I said, you would at least have the control and the stabilization component. So whether it's just body weight movement or whether it is loaded strength training, dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells, sandbags, you can actually get into position safely. It might be a shorter range of motion, but you can control it. I don't want your spine to change shape excessively under load. Dot point. I don't want you to hyperextend your knees, elbows, or any other joint excessively under load. Dot point. If, the, if there's one message you take away from this podcast, let it be that. You shouldn't be locking out your joints fully or in excess. You should reach neutral. So if you stand up straight, okay, if you stand up straight and your knees go backwards behind your body, so if your knees are behind your ankles or behind your hips, just as a general standing posture, that's a red flag. You cannot stabilize your knee joint. Your knees have locked out because you do not have adequate either muscle mass or strength or control or a combination of these things at the quadriceps, thigh muscles, and or glutes. You're just basically standing up straight and there's no control. You don't know how to decelerate or apply some form of brakes, braking forces. 
Let's think about getting in a car. All right, let's use this analogy. Let's say you have a race car. You've got this brand new shiny red car that can travel up to 500 Ks an hour. It's the fastest fucking machine on the planet. And you think, this is great. You go and get into your fucking little red car, turn the ignition on, vroom, 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 and you fucking take off. And you go on 500 Ks an hour, you're fucking weaving in and out of traffic. Oh, almost hit that truck. Oh, almost clipped that. That's all well and good. You could get to your destination from here to there in rapid time. Or if you can't control the steering, if you can't move yourself in and out of traffic, what's going to happen? You're going to end up in a fucking crash. You're going to clip somebody. You're going to run fucking straight up the ass or another car. Some bad shit's going to happen. That's like having too much joint mobility. You've got all this range of motion. You've got, you've got excessive amounts of range of motion, but you don't know how to control it. So with great range of motion comes great responsibility. And here's the thing. I need real life examples here. I've coached students who are hyper mobile and are super duper bendy. Okay. Uh, most of these um, have been females. Just ge genetically, they have wider hips. They have more joint laxity. It's just a genetic difference between males and females. Generally speaking, men are tighter and less mobile than ladies. Okay. And the challenge becomes how do we prevent excessive movement or motion where we don't want it? Well, first and foremost, that comes via strength training learning how to brace, learning how to stabilize, and learning how to control your body in space. This is called proprioception, understanding where your body is positioned and how you are moving in space, all right? The way that I help people deal with hypermobility issues comes from mechanics, correct lifting technique. This is a direct quote from one of the posters in Full Strength and Conditioning Headquarters. Total control of your body, the training tool, and the tempo at all times. Can't stress this enough. It has to be done in this specific order. Your body, first and foremost. Okay? Your body, your, your body weight, is a form of resistance. And it's also the vehicle that you're in all day, every day. So if you can't manipulate and modify and move your body and your muscles without any external load, that's where you need to start, okay? That should be bread and butter. Learn how to do fundamental movement patterns, pushing, pulling, hinging, squatting, planking, bracing, unloaded, without dumbbells, without kettlebells, without a bar, without a sandbag, without a band. Just learn how to operate what you've got at your disposal 24-7. That's bread and butter shit. Once you've mastered your own body and you can do some basic movement patterns and exercises flawlessly, then we start to concern ourselves with the training tool. If you cannot control or stabilize the weight, barbell, kettlebell, dumbbell, sandbag, ball, insert, your preferred training tool, whatever, you need to concentrate on what the resistance is doing and where it is as you move or do the exercise. So for example, if you're doing a dumbbell chest press and your arms are flailing all over the place and you're 
your wrist is wobbling and your arms are shaking and every rep looks different. So, you know, you can't control the dumbbells as they come down and they're shaking and one arm's doing one thing and the other arm's doing something else. And it's telling you that perhaps we need to concentrate on how we're, A, how we're gripping the weights. So we don't want a passive grip. It needs to be active. You need to squeeze it like you mean it. You need to perform the press with intent. So concentrate on what you're doing and how you're trying to do it. So if somebody was really wobbly and really shaky doing a dumbbell chest press, I would say, hey, I want you to squeeze, find the center of the handle, squeeze the dumbbells tight with all 10 fingers. You've got 10 fingers. I want you to use them all. That will stabilize the wrist joint. Okay, if you have a more stable wrist joint, it's going to prevent the elbows from flaring or tucking in excessively as you come down. So we've got a nice strong grip. We're going to slowly pull the elbows down to the floor and then punch back overhead. Okay, squeeze the dumbbells tight. Control the down, push and breathe. Control the down, push and breathe. Control the down, push and breathe. Giving you very clear, concise instructions here. And then the last thing is the tempo. Speed disguises poor movement. So it's, it's really, it's actually very difficult to see what looks good or bad when you move quickly because the rep is over in an instant. It's over really quickly. So if you kind of see something and you want to see it again, you're going to have to watch two, three, four, five reps to kind of verify what it is you think that you're seeing. Okay. So if you're kind of not sure of how it looks or how it feels, or if you've got somebody watching you, first first thing that we do in that scenario, slow the speed down. It's going to do two things. It's going to give you a chance to feel what is happening. You're going to feel where your joints are. You're going to feel specific muscles working or perhaps that aren't working. And it's also going to give me, the coach, a chance to see it. If you're doing 10 reps and each rep takes you one second, I've got 10 seconds to assess and correct any potential imperfections or movement faults. But if each rep takes you three seconds, I now have half a minute. I've got 30 seconds where I can give you some feedback, do a manual adjustment, move you, adjust your position, your width, your grip, your breathing. Yeah. So I've just tripled the amount of time for you to feel and experience what's happening within your own body which builds competence, so the technique actually looks better, but then it, be, uh, it breeds confidence. So it's no longer a fluke. It's no longer all of my reps look and feel different. Why can't I get it right? It's, ah, those three reps in a row were really good. So now I'm going to try and just replicate that. Yeah. And this is the thing as well. I, this is going to be a, a decent length podcast, and it's because... It's because this shit's important, okay? This next part, I really want you guys to fucking listen and pay attention because it boggles my mind. I've been coaching. I've been coaching and personal training for almost 15 years. And a lot of trainees, when they come and see me, don't know why they're doing exercises a certain way. I have people come to me and I say to them, hey, if you've done this exercise before, I'm not going to give you any prompting. If you've done this exercise before, just show me what you've got. Let me look at it, and then we're going to ask you some questions why you do it the way you do. And I'll get people, I'll say, hey, just you've done push-ups before? 
cool. Uh, can you just find a bit of free space in the facility and just show me five reps? And then I'll ask some really simple questions. Why do you do your push-ups that way? And I'll get one of three responses. I don't know. Uh, that's the way I've always done it. That's the way I was told. They're pretty fucking terrible answers. That's terrible. Why are you doing it that way? They're just repeating words from a teleprompter or it's the old monkey see monkey do. I saw somebody else doing it that way, so I thought I would just copy them. That's just red flags, my friend. You should know exactly which muscles and which joints are involved in every single exercise you perform. If you don't, that needs to be addressed right here and right now. I'm gonna give you three very simple examples. First is push-ups. Everybody's favorite exercise, push-ups. Most people fuck this up. If you're doing a push-up, there are three joints that should be moving. Wrist, elbow, shoulder. That's it. Your body goes up and down. It is a moving plank. So you brace hard on your stomach so you don't move at your lower back. Deadlifting. There is movement at your ankles, knees, and hips. Uh, that's it. Your lower back shouldn't move. It doesn't change shape. It changes angle. It takes you from horizontal-ish to vertical. But it's the legs that do the lifting. So your spine shouldn't move. It shouldn't go from straight to having this excessive S-bend to going super rounded or super arched, okay? Then we have a chin-up or a pull-up. Your elbows and shoulders are moving. It is a fucking vertical plane of motion, up and down without excessive forwards, backwards motion. You're not going forwards or backwards. You're going up and down. Yep. That should make complete sense. This is how I look at human movement. I break it down to the simplest fucking manner possible so that you can't fuck it up. It's, in essence, strength training for dummies. And I don't mean that in a derogatory term. I mean it in the way of this process has been broken down step by fucking step so that you cannot fuck it up. Just the other day, this week, I had a student come in and we were doing incline push-ups. So push-ups on a barbell that was in a squat rack to work on her progressions of getting lower and lower and eventually onto the floor. And there's a bit of back motion. I could see the abs were kind of on vacation. So one of the things that I do is I say, hey, stand up for me. I want you to brace your abs like, a, you know, I'm going to punch you in the belly. I never do this, but, you know, I just say, you know, tense up like, you know, you know, there's a punch coming and hold. Put your arms out in front of you, make fists, and then pull your elbows back to the wall behind you and push, pull, push, pull, push. And then I just say, hey, that's what we're doing on the bar. We're just changing the angle. Instead of being standing up, you're going to be at a 45-degree angle or thereabouts. So we get the abs to work really fucking hard so that your lower back doesn't move, and it's your arms doing all the moving. Okay. That's what we're trying to chase. I'll break it down into the smallest possible detail so you can get more out of it. It's because the de the devil is in the details, guys. It really is. You cannot do an exercise too good. You cannot do an exercise too well. Very rarely do I see anybody that has crisp, clean, quality, fucking immaculate looking form straight out the gate. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes reps. But that's what you should be aspiring to. Can I do this exercise perfectly?
That's your job. That's your task. If you're going to do strength training, if you're going to lift weights, that's your fucking job. Concentrate on the movement. Make the correct joints do the task. Get the muscles that are responsible for producing the movement. Do the movement. And if it means you do some troubleshooting drills like the one I just explained where you stand up and you tense your abs and you pull and push like you've got imaginary weights in your arms or like you're pressing the bar away or like you're doing a push-up, then so be it. Give your brain and your nervous system that input to say, hey, this is what we're doing. We're just going to change the angle here. We're going to apply some external, a bit of extra load here by holding onto a bar instead of doing it standing up where there's no resistance. Okay? Getting a little bit heated here because and it's because I care. It's because I see this stuff on a fairly regular basis. Uh, whether it's you know, I get I get sent you know videos and shit of you know people lifting and stuff, and it's just fucking dreadful to watch. And it's because I care. It's because a couple little tweaks and coaching cues and verbal instructions can fix this shit, and you can get so much more benefit out of it. That's really why I'm getting not irate, but I'm getting worked up okay let's tone it down a bit and let's go through some common movement faults a few of the most common movement faults that i see with people with hypermobility is locked out knees so if your knees want to hyperextend to the point where your knees are back behind the ankles or the hips you need to soften the knee joint unlock them as i like to say so rather than having the knee joint take the strain Get the glutes and the quads to actively stabilize. We don't want to straighten the leg to the point where it's completely locked out. The joint takes the load because you've got muscles above it and below it that can do that job. So let them do their job. All right. If you have anterior pelvic tilt, which means your tailbone, or it basically means that your pelvis tips forwards and you've got this kind of duck butt and this big arch in the lower back. There's a few reasons for it, but if that's something that you have, you need a light ab brace. I'm not talking a 10 out of 10, you know, contraction, but I'm talking like a three to six, depending on what you're doing and how long you're doing it for, uh, with a small glute squeeze, especially if you stand a lot at work. If you have a manual job, if you stand up, you know, if you do a lot of meeting and greeting with people, you need to have a light ab brace with a bit of a glute contraction so that your pelvis, it's not tipped forward, it's not tipped back, it's sitting neutral. Think of the pelvis as a bucket. If you've got a bucket of water and it's full to the brim, it's full to the very, very top, one more drop and that thing overflows. If that bucket gets tipped forward, oh, we lost water. If you tuck your tail between your legs too much, we lose water out the back. Neither of those scenarios are ideal. We want neutral, nice and square, it's like you've got a spirit level across the hips. It's not tipped forward, it's not tipped back, and it's certainly not tipped left to right. It's just nice and level. That's a strong, stable position. If you have a bendy spine, if you're somebody who could do a huge back bend or a forwards fold and put your hands on the ground, just a forward bend, uh, what I'm going to encourage you to do is work on reducing going from either extreme. I don't want you going, you know, from huge amounts of extension, arching the back, bending backwards to huge amounts of flexion, 
rounding the spine, bending forwards. I kind of want you hanging out somewhere in the middle, as close to neutral as possible, especially when lifting. If you've got super flexible shoulders, like you can bring your arm way up overhead and even behind you, and you've just got you know, excessive range of motion and movement in your shoulders, finish your pressing motions with a soft elbow. Okay, your arm should not be hyperextended. It should not be fully locked out. Have a very, very soft elbow. So the, the slightest amount of bend in it. And for you, it'll probably feel like it's bending quite a bit. And that's normal. That sensation of having a small amount of bend. So for, for us mortals or people who aren't, I don't want to say, who don't have hypermobility, it's going to look normal. It's going to look neutral. But for you it's gonna feel like the arm is really, really bent. And that's okay, you can use that to establish, oh, okay, I'm actually in the correct position. Because for you, neutral or what a natural position feels like, for us who don't have hypermobility, it's like, whoa, that chick or that guy's got you know, hypermobility, they're fucking locked out the elbow, it's like, wow. So it's, it's a perception thing as well, understanding, like I said, where you are in space, so where you think you are in space versus where you actually are. So a soft elbow to finish your pressing motions. Don't lock out until your arms are as straight as you can get them. Soft elbow. And also start your pulling motions with a slight elbow bend. So whether it's, you know, T-bar row, cable pull, pull up, chin up, start with a very slight bend at your elbow. Here's the big thing. If you're listening to all of this and you're thinking, holy shit, Jesse, that is a lot to take in and remember, uh, you're damn fucking right it is. You're absolutely correct. And it is. You want your muscles, not your joints, to support your body. Whether it's unloaded, just your body weight, but especially when loaded. Because here's the thing. If you're hypermobile and you have excessive range of motion, too much joint mobility, uh, think about how many steps that you take every day. Think about how much you move. You know, 24-7, you know, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. That shit adds up. And every joint, whether it's a wrist, elbow, shoulder, hip, lower back, knee, ankle, it all has a load and fatigue capacity. Should you exceed that capacity, you will run into an injury. And all of your joints have a certain number of duty cycles. So that means, you know, if you buy a product off the shelf, it might have 10,000 reps in it, 5,000 reps in it. You might be able to press the button 2,000 times before it dies. Your joints are the same. So I don't want you wasting any duty cycles, just standing really sloppily, head poked forward, knees locked out, pelvis tipped. No, I want you standing as neutral as possible. Make your muscles support your body weight, period. How do you do that? The solution is to move well, not in excess, get into good positions, get into stable positions. It is to get strong and build capacity in that order. Because if you don't move well, your body is going to cheat and steal movement or get into positions that are unstable, unsupported. And all of that joint stress and instability adds up. 
Think about the wear and tear on your joints. Think about the excessive and the extra compression. So that's downwards crushing forces, the amount of shear on your spine, and also the pressure on nerves. If you're moving into positions that most people can't, you know, it depends on what you're doing, but you know, your body can do things until it can't. So it's one of these ones, unless you're a fucking circus performer or a dancer or something like this, ask yourself, do you really need slash want that amount of range of motion, especially if you cannot control it? Most of the time, the answer is going to be no. And here's the thing as well. If you are hypermobile and you move you know, into positions that most people can't get to, or you just cannot control it, so you lack the strength and stability to, you know, stabilize really well. Understand that it's going to take you some time to rewire those movement patterns and those neural pathways that are ingrained in your nervous system. So if you're 20 years old and you're hypermobile, you've got 20 years worth of movement patterns behind you. If you're 30 years, you've got 30 years worth of reps and miles and kilometers and speed and pressure that you've put through your entire body. If you're 40, if you're 50, same fucking thing. So you might hear that and be like, oh, I'm too far gone. It's too late for me. But what's the alternative? The alternative is that you persist with it because you think it's, air quotes, not a problem, or air quotes, only a small issue. And then in 5, 10, 20 years' time, you've got fuck knees. You can't bend down to pick something up off the ground. You can't squat, which is a fucking natural human movement. Because, you know, or maybe you need a fucking hip replacement because you haven't worked on those seven functions that the hip should be able to do. Flexion, extension, abduction, adduction, internal, external rotation, circumduction. You know, that's, that's, that's the alternative. Do you want to be a fucking bionic man or a bionic woman? Or do you want your body to last you a fucking lifetime being fully functioning. That's what you've got to weigh up, okay? That's what you have to weigh up. Do you want to have problems and go and see the chiro or the physio every fucking week because you've got too much range of motion, you've got a little niggle, a little tweak, or do you want to be able to control and stabilize it? Last thing I'm going to say is this. Being hypermobile, it's not great. It's not shit. But it really does matter what you do in life. If you don't want to be an active person, then, hey, you're probably not going to put the stresses and the load into your body that is going to be of huge detriment. But I know for me, if I was hypermobile, I'll be working my fucking ass off to make sure that I can control the motion that I do have in my body, the excessive motion that my body is capable of producing, okay? Your body has a certain number of duty cycles that it can tolerate before it can't. That's when you run into problems. Most people are reactive. I won't deal with the problem. I'll let it persist. Onwards they go, marching through life, and then bang, it fucking hits you. Might be three months, might be three years, might be 10 years down the line. Hey, your knee's completely fucked. Your hip's blown out. Hey, you need a fucking shoulder reconstruction. Hey, you're not going to be able to lift your arm overhead anymore. It's your choice. 
you know, I put it in that fucking dire situation that because some people need it. Some people think it's not a problem. But I'm telling you right now, if you cannot control and support your body in the positions that you get into, that is a problem. It will catch up on you. Your body and all the joints, the ligaments, the tendons, the bones should last you. The original set should last you until you're in the ground. Should last you a lifetime. Don't fucking waste them. You know, if you want to be a dickhead and do stupid shit, then understand the consequences. But that's why your lifting technique should always be priority number one. And then number two is to strengthen these new patterns, these new and improved ways of moving that you want to promote. How long for? Forever. Why? To save your motherfucking joints and keep you out of pain. So I hope that was very inspiring. I hope that is very uplifting. Um, but in all seriousness, I do hope you got some uh, nuggets out of that one. And if you didn't, shame on you. No, if not, shame on me. I try to keep these podcasts uh, concise and to the point. I do write show notes for them to keep me on task and have a train of thought or an idea that I want to convey and get across. Uh, but if you do know somebody who is hypermobile, you know, somebody who's super duper bendy and you think, whoa, they need a little bit of help or they need some guidance on, you know, what to do with that excessive range of motion, uh, just send them this episode. Copy it, paste it from Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to it. The, the However you listen to it is the way that they could probably listen to it too. So uh, that goes a long way. And like I said, having too much range of motion is a bad thing. Having too little is a bad thing, but if you were to choose, if we ha if we had to pick, not that we do, but if we had to pick which one is better for overall health and longevity, it would actually be having too little range of motion because at least the range that you do have is completely controlled. So there we go, guys. That is my answer to the question, is being hypermobile a good or a bad thing? I hope it's helped. I hope it's given you some useful information and things to work on and consider with your own training and your own life and your own body moving forward. So I appreciate you listening for the last 46 minutes we've got to. Uh, fuck, that's quite long, but I enjoyed it and I hope you did too. So guys, appreciate you. And uh, I'll speak to you soon for another episode. But until then, stay strong, stay mobile, but control that range of motion. If you loved the Wake Up Call, found it entertaining, or got some benefit out of listening, I would appreciate you helping me to spread the word. Please share it with a friend or on social media so that you can pay it forward and give someone else the opportunity to improve themselves like you just have. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon for another episode.